about that. Labels and identifiers. Let's talk about it. What do these groupings mean? How can we learn and better educate the uninformed? And should we make anything of those people and activists who say labels, classifications, and or pronouns don't matter? In this episode, we'll explore and discuss identifiers and ways people are choosing to identify themselves. What do all these categories mean? And for some activists and individuals seemingly obsessed with removing labels, you know, saying things that um, things are just, they're not black and white. It seems to have more categorizations every day. In today's episode, we speak with attorney, activist, who happens to identify as trans woman, Jayla Wilkerson. Jayla is the 2019 Justice Award recipient she has also organized Dallas Transgender Day of Remembrance and is a former Dallas Assistant District Attorney. She's also an advocate for trans Black lives and a pillar in her community. When it comes to LGBTQ plus community, I think it's also important that people be not afraid to admit what they don't know. And um, it's equally important for the LGBTQIA community to give a level of grace to the populations of America who are open to learning and understanding and even becoming an ally if they choose. So Jayla, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, the title of this episode is called Me, Myself and Identity. Um, and, you know, while people listening to this might not be in a profession or, um, you know, where they're required to understand the many different demographics of, you know, a changing population, um, like in marketing or in politics or things like that, you know, I do think it is important to help create a guide for people whose cultural understandings are expanding, right? And so um, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about labels um, and categorizations is because for some, it seems like there's a new, you know, identifier or categorization every day. And it's, it's, causing people to feel like, okay, being, you know, being politically correct. And so um, the world in our nation is becoming more diverse in every sense of the word every day. And um, for people starting to see pronouns, you know, within professional bios and other identifiers, I know that's foreign to a lot of people. That's what linguist Archie Crowley explains in their 2020 talk from TEDxU of SC. And my parents can now tell people that their three kids are their son, their daughter, and their child. And all of them would have to switch the pronouns they used to refer to me. My correct pronouns are they and them, also known as the singular they. And these people love me, but many of them told me that some of these language changes were too hard or too confusing. So can you talk about what that means for, you know, present society today and, and how um, this expanding group of, you know, pronouns and identifiers, what does that say for our future? I think it's great. I mean, honestly, we had that conversation before and I think that the pronoun movement is just wonderful. I think it started basically to affirm trans identities that are not necessarily apparent on their face. So for example, you know, 
you know what a man looks like in your mind, you know what a woman looks like in your mind. But there are some women, cisgender and transgender, that look more manly or vice versa. And there are non-binary people out there now. And you don't have something in your mind that will assign to non-binary. And so generally non-binary people might use they and them pronouns. Sometimes they use he and her pronouns. So in other words, they'll mm -hmm. use both male and female type pronouns. And so it's kind of a, it started out, I think, as a way for people to express themselves to others, but then a lot in the cisgender community, and for those who may not know, cisgender is just the opposite. Yeah, like break, it, break it down for us, Jayla, you know, especially <laughs> non-binary, you know, and cisgender, like break it down for us. There's a lot of vocabulary. So transgender basically means that you were born with a body that um, generally aligns with either male or female, but internally you are the other gender. So your body and your insides basically don't match. That makes you a transgender person, regardless of whether you've had any treatment or anything like that. That's what transgender means. Cisgender just means you're aligned in terms of your internal self and your body. Mm -hmm. And so that's what a cisgender person is. And then non-binary is somebody whose inner self doesn't fit within male and female, within what we call the binary, right? Binary is two, male mm -hmm. or female, there's Either there's something else or they're a little bit of both or whatever. And I am not non-binary. I don't honestly understand the intricacies of, of how that identity works within a person, but mm -hmm. that's what it is. And then there's also intersex, which is where the physical body somehow falls between those two binaries, right? It might be somebody who has the internal um, sex organs of a woman, but has a penis or vice versa, or has even external genitalia of both genders or of neither. And the intersex is the I, correct, in LGBTQIA? Yeah. Okay. And they're often lumped into the transgender category just because, you know, it's it's kind of a non-traditional, I guess, gender. But, I mean, it's by nature. It's not something mm -hmm. that can even be accused of being made up because it's been, you know, it's physical and it's been around forever. You know, what, do, what does that say for our future and and as, you know, everyone's vocabulary, specifically those that don't speak this language fluently like you do, what does that say for the future? Well, like I said, I think it's it's really about respect. You can't respect my identity if you don't know it. And if you can't look, I mean, myself, I present very, very feminine. I wear feminine clothes, generally makeup, long hair, etc. I present myself as a woman, but there are people who don't. And, you know, whatever their category is, or they present themselves as a man or not. And so having, so for example, at a, at a social setting where there are name tags, having your pronouns on your name tag, make it easy for people looking on to know how you identify so that they can be respectful about that. And then if you do present yourself in a way that's obvious and you still put your pronouns on there, that's just normalizing it so that the people who feel the need to have that aren't yeah. really feared because they have it. Everybody's got it. I will say, you know, that there are a lot of people who, you know, are, are wanting to, you know, be an ally and, um, you know, consider, you know, even probably this conversation that we're having, you know, alphabet soup, you know, labels are changing every day. Like, you know, what's new? Like, what's going to be, you know, here? I don't want to offend anyone, you know, um, and, and not just, you know, as it relates to, you know, the transgender community, but, Five years ago, we weren't talking about white privilege. 
you know, you know, <laughs> six years ago, we weren't really talking about, you know, the patriarchy, you know, as much as we are now. And so there are so many different um, movements and times up and me hashtag me too, you know, like all of these qualifiers and identifiers are coming into the American, you know, dialect and vocabulary every day. And so, you know, um, and as it relates to um, the LGBTQIA community, what, what are your thoughts about people who might have a very stubborn mind and, you know, maybe their minds aren't able to adapt as quickly as people in your community would like them to? Well, I think that it, it goes down to intent, right? Like if somebody uses an outdated label, which there are tons of, you know, that were accepted at one time. And then, and like you say, that transcends the LGBT community. That's racial, racial labels. Mm. You know, there were labels that the word oriental, for example, when I was growing up was commonly used, not in a derogatory way to describe people of Asian descent, right? And that's considered inappropriate today. And so it's about trying to learn and doing your best, but I think it's about intent. So if you do slip up and you use the wrong label or the wrong word, mm -hmm. you know, you, you recognize it and you apologize for it and you try to learn and you try to do better. And if it's harder for some people than others, which it will be, then I think that that's something that my community and all the other communities um, just have to be mindful of because, you know, as long as we're all doing the best we can, that's all we can expect. Yeah. You know, Jayla, you are an attorney and an activist. Um, you know, you speak up for people who seemingly feel like their voice is lost or, you know, frequently ignored. Um, and America, you know, can be a very troubling place for people considered other. Black, woman, you know, um, gay, lesbian, Muslim. If, if you are not a white Protestant male or woman in this country, um, you're already kind of behind, you know, behind the starting line. And so can you tell us a little bit about just your life experiences? Because you, you've accomplished a lot, you know, professionally, um, as well as, um, you know, socially in the community, um, as it relates to um, being an advocate for your community as well as people in the Black trans community, in the Black community. So can you tell us a little bit about your life experience and, um, you know, just some of the things that that you've overcome to, to be in this place of being a thought leader for all of these issues? You know, everything happens for a reason and those kinds of, of phrases, pick, pick the one you prefer. But, you know, I grew up in small redneckville texas i'm a white person i was identified as a male at birth um and so i had that white male privilege i did and i grew up without diversity it wasn't a thing there was not i mean there were mexican restaurants in my town and that was as diverse as it got in terms of oh wow well, mm -hmm. yeah and so when i was a young person <clears throat> 17 ish i moved to los angeles and it was a big awakening in terms of diversity. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, I loved everything about it. I loved, you know, international cuisine. I loved different accents and languages. And I was just fascinated by the diversity of humanity. And, and I love humanity. Exposure, I mean, right. Right, exactly, that's all it is. And, and, you know, you talk about othering and that's something that the people in power use as a tool to keep 
the power that they have because if people mm-hmm. are othered then they're you know they're they're an enemy and you can't join with those people and you know when we join together we have more power than the people who otherwise mm-hmm. have the power but anyways so I was fascinated by humanity, basically, long story short, and um, I have some Christian roots that probably fed into that, and I'm an absolute atheist now, but I still have a love of humans and humanity, right, and so when later, long time later, I was 28 years old when I went to college, the reason I went to college was so that I could go to law school, the reason I wanted to go to law school was for civil rights advocacy type things, and um, I had to get an undergraduate degree, so I went to the University of North Texas, and I was looking, I could take anything, literally any major, and you can go to law school, it doesn't matter. So I was looking at all of the available majors, and there was one that they called social sciences. Mm-hmm. That's basically the study of people. And I loved it. I fell in love with it. I took that, and I was studying, um, you know, psychology of sexuality. I was studying sociology. I was studying, you know, queer lives, different lives. I was studying just humanity. And that's what my undergraduate degree is in. And then I went to law school and I actually got a a master's degree in criminology, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a subset of Mm -hmm. sociology. Mm -hmm. And that's the easiest way to explain it, Mm -hmm. that studies criminal behavior. So I guess in a nutshell, my life experiences and my education have led me to have an understanding of humanity and the diversity and and appreciation for the diversity in humanity. Mm -hmm. Dayla, you said something that... um... I found very interesting. So, you know, when you, you said that you're an atheist now, and I know that, you know, the topic of, you know, Christianity and, um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community has a lot, you know, there, there could be a lot said, and, you know, just um, discussing those two things. Um, did your transition from Christianity to atheism have anything to do with, people around you or, or was it um, just an, a natural kind of choice that you made based on just living or did that kind of go hand in hand with your work and your the evolution of understanding your space within the LGBTQIA community? Honestly, I didn't really know it at the time, but looking back, it was and I, a really hope not to offend anybody who is a believer because I I don't you know I don't I don't try to spread atheism or anything like that but for me personally it was it was kind of an awakening right because when you're southern baptist you're taught to believe whatever the preacher says no matter what you don't question anything the bible tells you not to question anything not to do independent research those kinds of things <clears throat> when i began to learn just about random things because i had a curious mind and i would read all kinds of things including biblical things, and I would just study, and it just got to a point where intellectually, the Bible didn't really make sense, and intellectually, the things that the preacher said didn't make sense, like, and I could go on for hours, but that's not the topic here, but anyways, it was, it was really, for me, it was an awakening, so it didn't directly relate to my transition as a, you know, in gender or anything like that, but my transition away from Christianity did allow me to later recognize within myself that I was a woman and to transition as a woman because I would not have been able to do that Mm -hmm. I don't think I mean I know a lot of Christian people who have but the the brand of Christianity that was my experience sure I I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about you know the brand of Christianity because you know there um we 
having conversations with so many different experts, you know, for this show and and talking to, you know, different faith experts, um, you do have a different um, um, uh, expression of, you know, uh, Christian principles that often conflict with real people. You know? I'd like to talk about uh, um, and explore your work as a, or just your thoughts um, as it relates to protecting, you know, trans black women um, in, in that community because um, you do a lot of work in, in helping people understand their rights and, and um, ability to kind of gain their power back in, um, in these spaces. And so can you talk a little bit about that and why you think or why you feel that that's so important, you know? Um, I'm sure you, you see a lot that that doesn't get the, the news coverage that it deserves, um, you know? So um, can, you, can you share with us some of your work in that space? Yeah, my main concerns in terms of black transgender women is violence. I mean, there's an epidemic of violence against transgender people. Primarily, it's against black transgender women. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And, you know, as a sociologist, I could, I could hone in on several of them, but primarily it's, it's the circumstances we find ourselves in, right? I mean, we've mm -hmm. already talked about white privilege and sure there are white people who, you know, live in poverty and in terrible neighborhoods, et cetera. But by and large, the people in those neighborhoods most at risk for violence are black people. And so it's, it's about compounding, um, risk factors, right? And it's about being black while being transgender, while being perceived as a gay man, right? So most transgender women in the black community mm. are not perceived as women, they're perceived as gay men. And mm -hmm. so there's violence within the black community against the black trans women. And so my work in that regard is first to raise awareness, right, in general that these black transgender women's lives exist and they matter and they're at risk. And then also to do whatever I can to assist Black trans women to, to mm -hmm. reach out to resources that are available to them. You know, um, I'm sure, you know, someone listening to this um, is probably thinking that this idea of gender or, you know, racial um, plurality um, has nothing to do with themselves, you know, and, and we're just being too politically correct. Um, but we all, you know, identify, you know, and categorize our lives in, in various ways. Can you bring those individuals into a better understanding of how they probably themselves exemplify this in their own lives? I mean, we all, like you said, we all have labels. We may or may not realize it, but <clears throat> within, within the community where I grew up, you know, there are a lot of rednecks, right? And, you know, you, you went to high school, you had some rednecks, you had some jocks, you had some pretty boys, you had some cheerleaders, you, had, you know what I mean? There were cliques and the labels can kind of be associated with that. But even as you move out of the kind of high school mentality, you know, you identify yourself with your job, you identify yourself with your socioeconomic status. So whether mm -hmm. you're a middle-class person or a mm -hmm. person living in poverty or a person mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness, you know, all of these are labels as well. And you might label yourself a, as an artist, you might label yourself as a a bookworm, you might label yourself as anything. Basically, any label is, is anything that is used as an adjective to describe yourself. And, and that's important to know for transgender community. Also, transgender is just an adjective. 
I am not a transgender. That would be a noun. I am a transgender woman. Transgender mm -hmm. describes the noun, which is woman. And mm -hmm. that's what labels that's are. Good, They're just that's, that was a good, you know, descriptor and identifier. Because I know that that's, um, you know, this is, this is new for a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know, like we spoke earlier, um, what are you seeing now that has you saying, okay, okay, guys, that's just too much. Like, um, I can't remember, you know, um, the phrase you said, but in terms of labels and identifiers or categorizations, um, you know, Rachel Dolezal, you know, famously, you know, captured headlines around the world for calling herself trans black. You know, and you know, um, there's another gentleman who considers himself trans black, and that's a whole other conversation about labels and identifiers and ethnic boundaries that you know I would love to get your thoughts on too. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> what are you know? Are you seeing anything now that like in in a year from now, when it comes across the rest of our screens, we'd be like, oh, we heard it from Jayla first. Like <laughs> the things that you're just. <laughs> Are there any things that you're like, okay, guys, like, I don't, I don't, with all due respect, I don't get this label or, okay, that's just, you know, probably a little too much. Or, or, are you seeing anything like that? Honestly, I don't remember what it was that I responded to that in our previous conversation, but um, I mean, it's just so many, like so many sub labels within subgroups and especially within the queer community. Mm -hmm. um, Particularly, I would say, based on my observations among gay men, right, there's otters. I don't really even know what some of these things are, but, you know, there's bears and otters and twinks okay. and all these things, right, that are just... Like, are we going to see that on a LinkedIn profile soon or, Maybe. like, somebody's Twitter bio? Jayla. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, in terms of the things that you were alluding to, the, the trans race issue... Trans and, black... And and people that are that are saying that they're some other species, trans species, and yeah, all. Yeah, what do you think about that? Like, are I you you know? I think that it's people trying to tear down the transgender community. I really? really so, I think it's an attack on my community. So people who might consider themselves, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be clear, um, specific. So the people that consider themselves like trans black, or the people that say I'm trans alien, like, right, or both. All of it. I really oh, wow. do. I really do. And I've never met anybody that claims to be transracial or whatever that term might be. But <clears throat> from an outsider's perspective, the way mm -hmm. I see that is, is somebody saying, okay, well, look, if you can change your gender, I can change anything because that's their mindset, right? It's a change of gender. It's not, but. Gosh, I'm so glad that we, we dialed in on this because there are people on, uh, not to quote 40, not to quote 45 at all, but there are literally people on both sides of this argument, you know, that say, oh, well, because, you know, um, we have people identifying as trans, uh, a trans man or a trans woman, why shouldn't I, you know, um, be considered trans black or trans Asian? And, you know, for some in my community, that's, deeply deeply offensive and I think it's interesting that that you see that as an attack on the transgender movement as a whole C can you um yeah please ex explain more because I don't think we've had the opportunity to really hear um this perspective before well I'd like to tackle that in, in two ways if I please. could so the, the first way is a comparison 
And okay. that comparison is after gay marriage became legal throughout the country, there was a rash of strange people publicly declaring that they're going to marry a computer, that they're going to marry their dog, that they're going to marry these other objects that are not human beings. And that was to tear down the, the appreciation for gay marriage. If we're going to go that far, I'm going to marry my computer. And that's literally what that was for. That was to quote unquote, wake people up to how crazy we are being by accepting love, basically. And okay. so it, that's the allegory of the trans racism, the trans species, et cetera. To me, again, not knowing any of these people personally, not mm -hmm. having interviewed them, to me, sure. it's saying, it's them saying, this is ridiculous. And if they can be this ridiculous, this is me showing you how ridiculous that is. Now, okay. the second way I want to attack that is mm -hmm. to explain a little bit more about what transgender is. Because again, okay. I think the common perception is it's somebody who wants to be the other gender or a different gender. And so they just say they are. And then that's, you know, there's a perception, I think, that that I might wake up one day and be a man and one day be a woman and this way I can go to wherever restaurant restroom I want and whatever. It's not like that. I mean, I've I've gone through pains to change my identification, to change my body, to change my name, to change all of these things, right? Like it's a big, big process and you don't do that willy-nilly. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I wanted to become a woman. It's because I am a woman inside. There's a difference between sex and gender. Sex is defined specifically by sexual characteristics and my sex at birth was male and gender is not defined in that way and I honestly believe and I don't have the science to back this up but I honestly believe based on my own experience that it's a genetic thing like it's it's a hormonal mm -hmm. developmental problem it's a birth defect like having 11 toes or like having you know conjoined twins or ha mm -hmm. you know there are several different types of birth defects and I think being transgender is a birth defect. It's a hormonal imbalance in the womb that causes it to happen. And part of why I think that is because myself, you know, I was born in the 70s and the um, ultrasounds weren't then what they are now. Mm -hmm. I had a girl's name when I was born. I was supposed mm -hmm. to be a girl. They thought mm -hmm. I was going to be a girl. And that mm -hmm. was based on my heart rate, right? Mm -hmm. And they were so sure that they had a name picked out for a girl. I, in fact, was unnamed for three days because I came out with a penis. And mm -hmm. they didn't want to give me that girl's name. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they had to come up with another name. Wow. And, wow. You know, and here I am. I actually am a woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's just there's we don't understand it all. And people just make assumptions based on what they've always experienced. And those assumptions aren't always right. I mean, the world isn't flat. But for a long time, people made that assumption based on the experiences that they had and the knowledge that they had. Right. Yeah, I think you said, you know, um, in our earlier conversation that there's a, a, a spectrum and that, you know, people um, were learning more about that spectrum every day. Right. Yeah, because I mean, even myself, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know what transgender was until I went to college. And I told you I was 10 years out of high school before I went. A lot and, of people are still learning. Yeah, oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> And so, I mean, there's a lot more information out there for youth now, but looking back, once I learned what transgender was, looking back, my earliest childhood memories, I was four or five years old, and my highlight of my day was putting on these clip-on earrings that my little girlfriend would let me wear on the way home from school, and that was the highlight of my day because I felt pretty. I had this obsession with feeling pretty. For my 12th birthday, I think it was, I got my mom to give me an easy-bake oven. I always played house. I was always the mom. Like... I was very much interested in feminine things as a child, 
-hmm. And I never recognized that as being transgender. I just recognized that as I wanted to be a girl, right? Then whenever I learned what transgender was, I started recognizing those things in myself and I was doing a bunch of self-exploration. And I, what I did not want to do was confuse being a woman mm-hmm. with wanting to be a woman, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me a very long time, a period of years to do enough self-exploration to figure out that I am actually a woman. I don't want to be a woman, right? And during that time, while I was exploring, I explored with cross-dressing, which is when a man dresses like a woman. What's it called when a woman dresses like a man? just life it's not a big deal right? it's called it's called you know uh fashion you know yes. like <laughs> exactly yeah but anyways uh, so there was a period of time that i was identified as a cross-dresser there was a period of time that i was identified as non-binary to some extent because i knew i wasn't fully a man but i wasn't yet convinced that i was fully a woman right mm-hmm. and so that was a short period of time it didn't take me long once i got there to get here and the same with sexuality i mean i was with women early in life because that's what I thought I was supposed to be because I thought I was supposed to be a man and so I was supposed to be with women and so out mm-hmm. of convenience I married a woman I had two children mm-hmm. and then you know there was a period of time where I considered myself bisexual because I started allowing myself to explore with men and then there was a time when I considered myself a gay man and mm-hmm. then a straight woman so mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is fluid in terms of a journey, but it's also fluid for some people. They never end that journey. They just, you know, they're always in that fluidity. I'm so glad that you brought up the idea of family because, you know, at, at the time of this recording, you know, we're about to go into, you know, a season where people are going to be around their family, you know, um, COVID willing. And, you know, depending on, Uh, the diversity of that family, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, you know, family dinners, there might be a need to address these things. And so, you know, can, can you equip, you know, our listeners with, and I definitely want to ask you about, you know, some, some resources um, um, to learn about the LGBTQIA community, but um, like, like we said, you know, five years ago, we weren't talking about white privilege and, you know, six years ago, we weren't talking about me too. And I, I, I think language is a weapon that can be used to help edify and to help inform and educate, um, you know, for those family members who are wanting to venture into this conversation, you know, with their trans, you know, niece um, or, or nephew, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner or for New Year's, like, um, you are part of a family. Can can you talk about maybe some of the the feelings that they might be feeling and encourage? Ha- what language can you equip, you know, um, family members to to come into a sense of understanding with a sense of respect? That's a big one. That's a really really big question. Um, so mostly, I would say the bottom line is. If you love the person in your family that's either identifying as transgender or gay or whatever it is, if you love that person, you should show them respect, right? And you should want them to be happy and you should want them to be healthy mentally. Mm -hmm. And so accepting them is the number one thing. How you do that in terms of language is you use the name that they chose or that they ask you to use and you use the pronouns that they've chosen or that they've asked you to use. You know, and it doesn't hurt anything to 
identify somebody as a new name. You know, some people get hung up on the idea of a chosen name and, oh, no, your name is X when you're trying to say it's Y. Well, you know, Bob is short for Robert and he goes by Buddy. And a lot of people call him Junior because his dad was Bob too, right? And so we use nicknames and we use different names to address people because of their preferences. And somehow we get hung up when it's a transgender person and we need to not do that. Now, obviously your history, mm -hmm. you know, my brothers, for example, are always going to think of me as their brother. And that's just the way that's going to be. But the more that they try to be respectful and the more that they try to get the pronouns right and the name right, the does better that help I feel. You? Yeah, does that, does that help you? Even though like, it seems like their opinions and, and their views and their memories aren't going to change, but there's a sense of intention that you can sense. Does, does that help even when the other side, you, you can't get, you know, from them what you probably really, really need, but there's a sense of acceptance because they're trying at least? Yes, absolutely. hundred percent because not everybody does. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have a very, very strong social support network. I've got tons of very, very good friends. Mm -hmm. I've got a wonderful spouse. I've got great children. My ex-wife is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. The people who are least supportive to me are my immediate family. Really? And that's crushing. It really wow. is. And they're trying. And I'm sure that's the same for a, lo a lot of people listening and a lot of people, you know, all over the country. Absolutely. And it's, and it's kind of devastating because you would think that, you know, your parents and your siblings are going to be the ones that are going to build you up sure. and they're going to try to protect you from the hateful outsiders right but yeah. instead they're the ones that that really struggle with and it's because i think you know they're holding on to the dreams that they had for you right mm -hmm. and they're you know they had these expectations of your life and you're not living up to those expectations in whatever way and so you know i kind of understand it to some extent but you know there's a lot of people who commit suicide over the idea mm -hmm. that their mothers or their fathers don't love them because yeah. that's the way it feels, right? How do we help, um, you know, people in this community? And, you know, there are so many um, important movements happening across America and the globe right now. You know, this summer 2020, it was about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And, you know, the summer before that, it was about Time's Up and Me Too. And the summer before that, it was, you know, equ equality, equity for women. Um, and so, how do you keep the conversation going and how do you encourage people um, that are needing resources to talk about this and feel empowered to talk about this, whether they are learning or whether they are wanting to use their voice? You know, are there any resources, um, you know, that, that you can link our audience with um, any national organizations, um, any movements that, you know, um, they should be paying attention to? Absolutely. And, and yeah, all of those things are still happening all at once. And, you know, I'm a yeah, feminist yeah. <laughs> and, and that just means we're all looking for equality, right? And that's mm -hmm. racial, gender, LGBT, all of it. But um, in terms of resources related to the LGBT community generally, I would send everybody to Human Rights Campaign, HRC, their mm -hmm. website, they have a lot of resources, you know, both literature and, and links to different groups. Mm -hmm. um, transgender specifically, I would say there's a, you know, support is one of the biggest factors. And there's a, a support group um, called Transcendence. 
So it's T-R-A-N-S and then hyphen C-E-N-D-E-N-C-E. And it's international. I mean, they have groups all over. So Google them. And then, you know, there's there's legal networks that'll help you with with any legal issues that you might have. Lambda Legal, for example. Equality Texas is a great one for the state of Texas. So there are all these LGBT organizations that are that are organized around advocacy and they're very well funded and they do a lot of good work and they also have very good resources on their websites. You know, it just occurred to me, um, the, the term, the derogatory term that, that you and I, we were trying to figure out, I think it was tranny, you know, when- um, Oh my God, yes, that's what it was. That was the conversation that we had. Yeah, so um, just another kind of nugget in terms of a, a label that is, passe. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you gave some good insight as to why that is. And tranny is not the same thing as transgender. Basically, what I was saying in that conversation, and thank you for remembering and reminding me, is is when people, you know, they take back a term to, to pull the power away from it, like the term sure. queer, right? Mm-hmm. And so, okay. you know, people used to use queer as a derogatory term towards the LGBT community. I identify myself as queer. I think it's a great umbrella term for anybody who's not, you know, straight, <laughs> basically. Um, and and we've taken that back. And I think that that's fine because that's not, to me, it's not hurtful to any one person. But the term tranny is a hurtful term. Like it okay. just, it really is. And it was it was made okay. to be a hurtful term and it is, a, and it hurts people. And people who in my community identify mm-hmm. as tranny or identify each other or me as tranny and they think they can get away with it because they're transgender that mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way then that's mm-hmm. to me those are the labels that okay we shouldn't use yeah. okay understood Jayla Wilkerson um you are phenomenal thank you so much for your time and for your work in this space um, so about that team, you know, wishes you and all of your endeavors well. Um, so thank you so much for helping us learn, um, you know, and thank you for giving everyone else, you know, a, a room of grace to to learn and to, you know, hopefully um, have other purposeful conversations within their own household. So Jayla Wilkerson, thank you so much. Thank you very much.